Welcome to Songwriter Trysts, an intimate podcast that is connecting songwriters from all over the world. I'm singer-songwriter Ray Lee. Music saved my life and I want to talk to other songwriters about the power of songwriting, talk about their journey and how they got to where they are today. This is a safe space to share stories, lessons and emotions, all the great things that build an amazing song. To support the podcast and follow our journey, you can find us on songwritertrysts.com. Welcome to a very special songwriter tryst with Lucy and Lemaire. How are you, Lucy? I'm doing great today. How are you doing? I'm I'm all right. A bit tired, like I said. But yeah. <laughs> I'm I'm really excited to have you on the show and get to know you. I usually start all these podcasts by getting the artist, which is you today, in your own words, tell me a little bit about who you are and where you come from. I am Lucy LaForge, a California raised singer-songwriter, and I will say I really love nature lately. I've mm-hmm. been all about nature, and I just love building community. That's something that's really important to me. Yeah, cool. And the nature part, what have you been getting into lately? Are you a rainforest person or a beach person? I'm so close but so far from the beach because I'm in Los Angeles, but I'm on the other side of Los Angeles. So mm-hmm. I've been exploring <laughs> the Echo Park Lake, which is a very, it's not a lake, it's a pond, but it's okay. a big pond. <laughs> and so I've been exploring that every day, just making sure I get out of my apartment and go and look at different types of plants and try and find a different type of bird every day. Yeah, It's just kind of been giving me something new, like a very different inspiration than what I'm used to. I find nature very inspirational and always teaches me something new, which is weird because, but yeah, it's very grounding, isn't it? Yeah. And tell me more about this building communities. What what does that mean for you? Building community, like right now, my focus is my online community, really connecting, not just with other songwriters, but other people who are experiencing the same things um, mm. and feeling, you know, similar things. And for me... You know, I talk a lot about mental health and I hadn't realized how powerful it was to talk about it because then I've mm. made so many online friends who experience the same things. And it just, it's so nice to have an online community, especially the last couple of years. Yeah. And what a relief it is when, like, we talk about mental health a lot on this podcast, probably because of me, because I have such a extensive mental health history. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but it, it, what a relief it is when you finally say, you know, something's bothering you or something that's been on your mind for ages and you've not told anyone and then you share it and someone else goes, oh, me too. How good does that feel? Oh, it's so, it's so affirming to know it's not just you because so many times, Mm. even if it's, you know, a tiny thing, if it's a little anxiety you're experiencing because of a situation, just hear Mm. someone else say, oh, you know what? I had that, that same feeling in a different situation, but I totally... I totally get that. And I totally get how, you know, isolating it could feel or stressful Mm. it can feel. It's really empowering. Mm -hmm. So much healing just in that and, and yeah, validating that we're not crazy. We're just so human and we all experience things differently. But at at a deep core level, we actually experience suffering and pain in a very similar way as well. And there shouldn't be any shame around it, which, yeah, is is beautiful to um, create community in a safe space where people can talk about that. Um, 
That's absolutely, absolutely. beautiful. Mm-hmm. So and what it's if, so, yeah. Oh, sorry, I was just going to no, say, no, and it's so, it's so crazy that we have such an expectation to, the reason we feel crazy when we do struggle with mental health is just this mm. huge expectation we have of being happy all the time. And, mm-hmm. you know, we're just obsessed with this idea of having the perfect life where you're never happy or, or you're, you're never sad or you're never stressed. Mm. It's just very unrealistic. And yet that's the default. So, yes, yeah, so unrealistic. Yeah. And it's it's only via talking about it with other people that we it comes out of our head and we're like, why on earth do we even, why do we have that expectation on ourselves? Like where does it come from? Because when we say it out loud, it sounds absolutely ridiculous. Of course we're not supposed to be happy all the time or perfect all the time. It's yeah. Like, uh, but yeah, we feel it. I think everyone feels that pressure and we all deal with it in different ways. Um, mm-hmm. But it also reminds us that we need each other. You know, we need that community and we need connection. And when you're feeling stressed and and struggling with mental health, you do feel really isolated in those emotions and it can be really hard to find people who you can talk to about it, which is Mm -hmm. why we pay loads of money to psychologists and psychiatrists. Oh, totally. (laughs) Worth every penny. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Just so that we can feel sane. No, that's Mm -hmm. really cool. So tell me about your songwriting journey. How did you get into songwriting? Uh, My songwriting journey, I realized as soon as I could write like a very young kid in Mm -hmm. about second grade, I was already writing poems and trying to write songs Mm -hmm. and trying to, I would like doodle and try and write music, but of course, Mm -hmm. just complete gibberish. Wasn't really writing much at all, but I just loved it. And I, I remember that just like a childhood memory, but I never pursued it until after school, uh, I actually wanted to study psychology and become a therapist. I was very interested in that world. Yeah. But I felt very stuck. I wasn't, you know, I wasn't passionate about it, but I liked it. Mm. And then I found myself starting to play cover songs, just, mm-hmm. you know, with the three chords I knew and felt really inspired by that and thought, well, maybe I could, maybe I could try to write a song again, like yeah. I did when I was a kid. And, and then I just kind of stopped once I started. And that was, you know, maybe eight years, eight years ago. Um, Wow. Yeah, and I just found it so therapeutic and fun. You know, I was able to be, I was able to explore a part of my personality that I don't necessarily show otherwise. I'm a Mm. fairly quiet person. But then when I get up on stage and perform one of my songs, kind of like, well, it's all in the song. Here's all my feelings. Here's everything (laughs) I'm going through and you're going to hear exactly how I feel about it. Ooh la la. about being so vulnerable with your music and your art um, when you're such a reserved person naturally what, what's your motivation behind that I'm just I'm so grateful that I allow myself to do it mm-hmm. I think it's it just came very naturally and there wasn't much resistance to doing it which is strange because I would never 
audition for a play as a kid or, you know, yeah. try to sing a solo in a choir, anything like that. Yeah. But for some reason, when I started writing songs, I was just like, oh, I need to, somebody needs to hear this. Even if it's just a bunch of strangers at the local open mic, mm. I'm just, I got to go sing this. And it just, yeah, it was just all of a sudden and it kind of came out of nowhere, but I yeah. felt so free from it that I was just like, this is what I'm pursuing. If I can make a career out of this, which I, I think I can, you know, every day is different. <laughs> every yeah. day is different, but yeah. Um, it's like this. This is it. I That's think I found it. Amazing, and I loved that flick the switch. You know, you just had to do it for whoever it is that needs to hear it. I think I had something very similar happen to me, and yeah, I would never like sing in public before. Really, a few years ago, no way. I I always wrote there, and I relate to like just loving writing, but never pursuing because I was dyslexic. So like, I love mm -hmm. to write but I was such a bad speller. I just got criticised all the time by my teachers, like English oh. was the hardest subject. And so the idea of someone wanting to be a songwriter or a poet or be a writer who is constantly being criticised, I just thought it was never going to happen. <laughs> you know, oh. it's like focus on your strengths, they say. It was like, well, English was not one of my strengths. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so tell me, tell me what that journey was like. Like how did you work out that you could be an artist and – you weren't going to be a therapist anymore. I found myself studying therapy and thinking it was interesting. And then I actually spoke with one of my professors mm. about pursuing the PhD and what that would look like. And they were so kind. And they were basically just like, I can tell you, you want to do this, but you don't love it. You know, and it was just kind of like, I was very much an A student. I always had to have a good grade and approval from a teacher and yep, I liked the academic world because I had a lot of validation mm -hmm. and being a creative really to be honest I still miss that validation very much because <laughs> when you write a song I mean it's not like you get an A uh, no. maybe it gets on the radio and then you're like okay this must be somewhat relatable or <laughs> a lot of people like it but not everyone you know it's yeah. like you can't and that's beautiful that you can't judge art in that way but it's also very hard as a just this is something I'm going through at the moment, just knowing, you know, which songs are good, which songs yeah. should I record? I, I don't That's know. such a hard one. <laughs> right. How does anyone work that out? I don't know. I'm still trying to work that out. Yeah, I have no idea. I think, mm. you know, larger artists will, of course, have like a team of people that tell them, OK, these are the songs that yeah. go on the album. Yeah. But that's all marketing. You know, it's a whole different perspective on, a, on yeah. the, the craft of a song. Which is hard. Uh, yeah. Oh, so hard. Mm. So hard. But I, anyways, I was talking to my professor and they, they mm. recommended, you know, just let yourself be a little more curious and explore, um, explore the idea of being in school, you know, another six or seven years and think, you know, you might want to try something else and it doesn't have to be forever, but maybe just take a little break from school mm. or do a smaller degree, like a one or two year um, like a master program, something like that. Yeah. And I was, I was so upset. I was like insulted that they would say I could do something other than academia. <laughs> oh. um, but at the same time, I was just very stressed out because I was in school studying so much. And I just started picking up my guitar more, started yep. playing it longer. Um, I was going through a lot of emotional up and downs with losing family members and just a lot going on. And I needed an outlet and, mm. I had my guitar 
And there was also a, a piano on campus. And I started going into this little piano room after all my classes at the end of the day and playing. And I was just like, you know what? I do know that some people do this full time. This is what they study. This is what they get to do for work. And mm. so it just started there and I, and I followed it. Wow. So that little piano room at your university. Yeah. A magical little room. Mm. Um, yeah. I, I want to go back and visit and see if it's still there. It's That'd just be like so a, cool. an escape. Yeah. I think any room with a piano in it just is magical. And I yeah. don't know why. Like I, I started on the piano when I was very young and it was my escapism. Like that was where I went to when I, I needed to get stuff out. Really? And I don't, don't know why, but like it just, yeah, I think piano was my first real love. My first true love. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, yeah, it's that, that instrument for me that I can let it all out. Whereas guitar is a convenient instrument that is still really cool and has a completely different vibe to it. Um, but if I'm feeling really emotional, I always go back to the piano. Oh, yeah. I find that the piano just has, I don't know if it's the reverb of the sound or the, the physicality of pushing down the keys mm. um, that's so emotional. But I find that when I write on piano, it's always a ballad or a really intense, uh, you know, just stakes are high. Whatever I'm writing on the yeah. ballad, you're, you're going to feel all the feels with me. And then mm. on guitar, I feel, I don't know if you feel this way, but it's more... It's almost more practical. It's like, okay, I'm going to do these chords yeah. <laughs> and I'm going to do these chords and then I'll change up the rhythm and we'll see what happens. Yeah, and it's, it is easier to play around with the rhythm on a guitar, I find. Um, mm -hmm. And then picking up like an electric guitar is like a whole other feel. And yeah, I mean, that, and that's a beautiful thing about instruments is you get to just experiment and, and play around if you if you have that natural ability to, you know, shift between instruments. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, that's really cool. So what was your journey like when you decided to start exploring, you know, how did you start your business as, a, as an artist? I, well, I moved to Los Angeles, mm -hmm. which was big because as a Californian, uh, I don't see Los Angeles as being California. I see it as this, <laughs> this is where everyone that's not from California goes. Mm. And, you know, there's a lot of transplants here from other cities all over the world. And yeah. it's a really great city, but it is a very busy um, hustle, energy. Everyone's, you know, trying to get somewhere. Traffic's always bad. Mm. People are just out and trying to reach their dreams constantly. And it was definitely a, I would just say it was a hard transition. Yeah, okay. I don't know if I've still adjusted to it. And I think how long have you been here? How long have you been, been in LA? I've been here eight years, which is a very wow. long time to still feel a little like it's not your home, you know? Yeah. But I think I think a lot of people feel that way. Yeah. Uh, when you move to a big city. And I grew up, you know, on dirt roads with chickens and like far outside of town. Yeah. Me no too. local grocery stores. <laughs> oh, you do too? Yeah, had a little mini farm with chickens and dogs and birds. And yeah. yeah, we mixed between having goats and cattle and um, yeah, all sorts of different animals. But oh, that's good. Aren't goats the river. best? We just had one goat. <laughs> well, our goat used to always get its head stuck in the fence. That's like the one thing I kind of remember is constantly oh, having to go down to the back little. fence and get his like get his horns out. I don't know. I, just, oh, I think we had a really thing. stupid goat. <laughs> oh, and I just kept walking into it. <laughs> It just, I don't know what it was going. They just yeah, eat everything. They do. Yeah. Like I remember I would have to go feed her before school and she would just nibble at my clothes. Like she would try and eat 
my shirt while I was feeding her. Yeah. It was very stressful. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I bet. Oh, yeah, country yeah. life. It's a blessing, yeah. but also a curse. Like I felt, I felt very like a fish out of water in the country. I think being a creative in, in a country town for me, where I came from, it was very odd. Like everyone was farmers. Everyone kind of, you know, the girls all got married at 18 and had babies by the time they were 20 and started yeah. a family. And like the boys all became tradies or played football or, do you know what I mean? And like being a creative mm-hmm. in, in a small town, I felt, I just felt crazy and I felt like a misfit, massive misfit. Um, yeah. And it wasn't until I met this, I went to the city and I started studying and I met other creatives, actors, models, musicians that I just started to feel like, huh, maybe I'm not a misfit, maybe I'm just creative and I didn't have that community like we talked about earlier. Yeah, mm. oh, definitely. So it was more liberating for you to move to a city. Um, in some ways, yeah. I definitely still loved like the country like because I grew up on the river and I loved going for my runs, you know, along the river and in nature and stuff. But um, there was also that element of being around other people that had similar dreams to me. And like I still – I live in regional Australia now, but there is mm-hmm. – I've had to work hard to kind of find those other creative people and like find that community, whereas I think in the city it's a little bit more concentrated. I see. Mm-hmm. What about you? Did you – how have you found your community? It took a while. I actually mm. found the the queer community. I'm part of the queer community. So that was mm-hmm. kind of great to have that little um, little community. It wasn't a huge thing in the neighborhood that I'm in. But just to have like a small group that meets up like once a month mm-hmm. um, was good. But the I found that the bands and the musicians that I was meeting, and this was for years right when I moved here, that everyone was so competitive that it was extremely hard to make genuine friends. Yeah. It was just, yeah, it's just like a very clicky uh, music scene. Yep. And that was hard. But I feel that, that? I feel that it's getting better. Because that that is something I think a lot of artistic people and musicians um, struggle with, the competition in quotation marks, because I really hate that kind of word. But how, how did you approach that side of the industry when you kind of experienced it early on? I was constantly pushing for uh, community. I was always, mm. so my shows, instead of having shows where you book your band and then the bill is completely separate. I mean, the venues here will book, you know, individual bands. They won't book a bill necessarily okay. on the small indie level. So you're playing, some nights I would be playing after like a rap artist and then a folk singer would come up after me. And then yeah. a rock band. And so your mm-hmm. audience is coming and then they're leaving. And the other yeah. band's audiences are coming and leaving just for their set. And yeah. So you're not creating any community for the evening. Um, and it just felt so disconnected. So mm. I would try and contact other similar like-minded bands and say, hey, we could do this together. And it'll be even more fun because it'll be yeah. less work for both of us. Right. And we can create like a scene that way, like a good place for people to go and, you know, recognize people in the audience. Mm. I love that. And, and how did that go for you? It took a while, but mm-hmm. we got there. I started doing the Love is Gay Festival in Los Angeles, which is mm-hmm. uh, like a, a concert, a benefit concert okay, uh, for the LA LGBT Center. So mm-hmm. that was great because I could, it was easy to just say, okay. I'm looking for LGBT lead singers or band members who want to be a part of 
kind of like a mini festival. Mm -hmm. And local artists and vendors would set up outside the venue. And we could just create this space where people started to recognize each other and felt comfortable uh, because they all had something in common already showing up to the concert. Yeah. Yeah. So it just kind of inspired people to chat more instead of showing up, showing face and then leaving. I think that's awesome though. Yeah. And it's exactly right because you want to be around other musicians that have a similar, I guess, message and, and goal for for you and you're going to both reach out and, and appeal to the same audience. And so, yeah, that community and that scene would, would hopefully grow just by word of mouth, you know, and, and by everyone right. feeling a part of something bigger than themselves, um, which I think we all need. We all, like, that's another part of, like, we need that sense of belonging. And, yeah, um, yeah I think that's absolutely beautiful. So tell me a little bit more about, the the message behind your music and this, your songs and, and what it is that you want people to get out of it when they hear your music? My songs, a lot of them are very upbeat folk pop songs about kind of just trying to raise your good vibes and, uh, you know, like road trip music. Mm-hmm. You turn on music in the car and you just want to like feel, feel good and kind of cruise. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I also have some more like sad songs about, you know, how I struggle with certain things or how a breakup affected me. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've kind of, I've gone from, my first record was acoustic instruments, whatever we found around this home studio to make sounds with, very organic, uh, folky, folky music. And then I started working with more and more producers around LA. Mm. And then I'd get these big pop produced tracks that, were fun and marketable, but also <laughs> kind of lost that very authentic, um, organic feel. And so I've had some fans from the very beginning who, who are awesome and just love both. Yeah. But it's definitely been a transformation. And a lot of artists I find this happens with because yeah. we don't, if we don't know how to produce our own music and then we start using different producers, we're doing this independent thing. And so you're mm. not consistently working with the same people your sound just changes and evolves and you know sometimes it goes backwards sometimes it's where it's at but yeah um, I I struggle with this and like I mean you've been doing it for eight years and I'm still like I've only been doing it for about two years and I'm still dating producers I don't know if you went through that experience but dating producers (laughs) I feel like that's what I'm doing right like we've done it I'm I'm polyamorous with my um my producers and, yeah. and I will have multiple producers on the go at the one time. That's okay. That, because That's, I think it's important. Yeah. Well, it is. And it, it, but there is that whole like, um, I guess like imposter syndrome of that, like that sound that everyone wants you to know exactly who you are and what you sound like and what you should be straight away. But like as soon as you time. like, well, you, I think part of the fun of it is experimenting with different people and finding new sounds and new vibes and like the song is still going to be that song and whether it works out or it doesn't work out like you get to do another one like it doesn't you know I, I, yeah. I feel like um say you release a song and it's it does okay or whatever but like there's always always opportunity to get better right and there's always an opportunity to work with someone else who might be able to do something different and cool and yeah, I mean, I find it hard, especially with like, you know, Spotify wants you to be a specific sound and if you change too much, then they will 
get too confused yeah. and like you might grow an audience in one genre but then if you change too much <laughs> like yeah, there's so a fear of losing them and it's like well <laughs> mm-hmm. I just want to be me and like create an experiment and let people like share where I'm at with any given yeah. song at any given time and it might be really different from what I've done and it might be really different to the next one but it's like that's for me that's human absolutely right? like who, yeah who, who but it's such a struggle yeah it's yeah it's so hard I've even had you know past managers say let's do two artist names let's just do your name Lucy the Forge and then that can be your your folk music and then your pop music can be under Lucy and the Mare because I've had and I was that. like we're not yeah. that far apart yeah you know and it's I've like, seen other people do that too like yeah. change their names because they think their songs are too different and then I've listened to the both artists, you know, in quotation marks, the different names and I'm like, it's the same person. <laughs> what are <Yeah>. you doing? <laughs> yeah. Well, it's because we all have such unique voices and, mm. you know, unique writing styles. And I even like, I put this out to my audience because I was like, you guys, it's, it's so hard to find a label. I was just, mm. I'm very frank with my fans. I'm just like, I'm still independent. Um, it's hard to find a label because they want you to have one consistent sound and they only yeah. want to market that sound. And they're going to yeah. take down all my past music and put out mm. this new sound that they want to promote yeah. because they only want you to have one sound. And I had a few fans message me and they're like, that doesn't make any sense because it's you. Like as long as it's yeah. the same person and the same name, it's so frustrating because I yeah. see both sides. I see mm. the business side of when you want to market a product, which would be the singer, unfortunately, in this case, <laughs> yeah. you know, you want to know what you're marketing and you want to know what where you can market to. Mm. And I don't know. It's so hard on the artist side. I do think it's changing, though, because I feel mm. like there are so many artists that aren't controlled by major labels who tell them mm. they can only have what sound. Mm. And it's it's more common to see artists having a range of sound. Yeah. And genres. And it's beautiful. And the reality is you can have, like, and, and you're probably a perfect example of this, you can have one song that, you know, goes and does its own thing in the world Mm-hmm. And and then you can still have all these other songs and they're connected to each other, but because of the way the world is, it's not like you have to have it on a physical CD and an album and they have to all be coherently, you know, set up as a project. And I mean, I know people are still doing that, but it's also a world where you can just release a single and it can be what it is in its tiny little pocket of that project. Mm-hmm. And then you can just let it free and move on to the next thing and it can be different. Totally. You know, with the mm-hmm. online world. That's so cool. What about collaborations? You talked a little bit about that um, earlier, but have you done much like co-writing? I saw that you've done um, uh, It's Not A Phase. You know, you, you collaborated with another artist on that song. Um, mm-hmm. But what about just co-writing and, and collaborating and what's that process been like for you? I love co-writing. I've mm. really started co-writing just the last couple of years so much more. Um 
Because before it was more like you meet a songwriter and it's like, oh, let's get coffee or let's write a song together. And I found that those were great ways to to build your music community, but nothing mm. really happened with the songs. Yeah, uh, It was just kind of like a, a practice, which is it's always good to practice. Yes. But recently I've been more, uh, more in the professional world of co-writing where there's purpose or there's a agenda um, mm-hmm. where they, you know, there's a prompt involved sometimes or there's, you know, there's an artist who needs new music. And so you're writing from the perspective of that artist. Mm-hmm. And I really enjoy it. I really love writing for other artists just as much as I like writing for myself. I think it awesome. gives it a nice bit of space, you know? Yeah. So I'm not constantly like, what's <laughs> my next song? What's my next song? Yeah. It's not good enough, you know? You can just be creative for the sake of being creative. I think that's yeah, important that's, to keep that uh-huh. aspect. It's hard to sometimes just be an artist and the creative person. When you're independent, you've always got to have like that business brain on as well. Right. And it can be nice to just be the creative one for a little bit. Oh, definitely. Yeah, the business brain is it's a whole it's a whole separate part of your brain mm. than the creative than the creative <laughs> side. So, like physically and it's it's hard. I've just listened to um, another podcast that actually said to divide your day, like your to-dos for the day, into sections of creative and more logical things, like emails and business-type things, mm. so that you will actually get them done. That's good. That's probably <laughs> good advice. <laughs> yeah, because I'll go, I'll do a co-write, then I'll be like, oh, I have to do all these emails, and then, oh, I have a gig, and yeah. then, oh, now I got to go promote this other thing, and yep. it's just... Different, different strengths. You said you you have a manager. Is that still in play? I don't at the moment. I've okay. had past managers. Mm-hmm. And with the management side of things, when they were in play, I mean, for me, I guess I've always hoped that the management would help take away some of those logical tasks, and, and so that I can be more in my element of just being the artist. What was that experience like for you? I would say, I mean, yes, to an extent. I've had managers who will book gigs or just kind of find random opportunities. Mm-hmm. But as an indie artist, I don't think we ever stop working really hard for ourselves and doing yeah. most of the work. Because no one is going to care about your music as much as you do. Mm-hmm. Even a manager who thinks you're great and thinks you're so cool and there's so much potential and so much to do. Yeah. They still have other artists most of the time. At least yeah. a couple other artists unless you're working for like an independent person. Yep. But it's still, I found that a lot of times I would, I would be waiting on a manager thinking, oh, I bet they're taking care of this or, oh, they'll do all that for me. Mm -hmm. But again, there's that business side of things where it's like, well, no, you're, you're a business. I, I am a business as this artist and songwriter and a manager is technically an employee because I'm paying them a percentage of my income. Yeah to work for me and it takes a lot of leadership skills and a lot of communication yeah <laughs> a lot of project management I, yeah a lot of things I didn't learn in school yeah that you just you just gotta learn it the real world yeah I think I'm really lucky because I married a project manager and, oh yeah um, <laughs> it well does done. yeah well <laughs> you know I mean I I think he does he believes in me more than I believed in myself and he's definitely been one of the biggest reasons I even started doing this because I think everyone needs someone to believe in them to say you can do this Mm -hmm. you know to give you the confidence to actually go and give it a try 
but yeah, it's um, it does enable me to do more of this stuff, you know, like the podcasting and the songwriting and just be the creative ideas person um, and someone else who gets to take care of the emails and stuff. But um, That's great. Yeah, I'm not telling That's everyone wonderful. to go and marry someone who you think would be a good manager. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, there needs to be a lot of other things that go into play there as well. But um, It sounds like yeah. a good ballot. Yeah. It's important. What would you say the best advice is that you've ever been given in this industry? There's a lot of bad advice. Um, you can start there because that was going to be my next question. So I was going to say, what's the worst and best advice? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately, that's where my brain went. That's um, okay. Just thinking about, like, say say yes to everything. When you're starting out, people will tell you to say, say yes to every show, say yes to every opportunity because you never know, right? Yeah. And And it's like, yeah, true. It's good to stay open. But if you're saying yes to playing 10 shows in a couple months and you're not actually getting paid for those shows and you're trying to pull people for all of those shows to come see you and build a room, you can't say yes to everything. It's yeah. good to be it's good to be picky about about what you're doing, even if you're just starting out. Even if you're new to music, um, like yes, go play all the open mics, get to a point where you're comfortable and you know like you can get up on a stage and play a song and it's going to be okay. But once you get to that point, you know, it's okay to be discerning about, um, cause you will start getting all these emails. I'm, I get so many emails every day for, you know, come be a part of this music thing or come play mm. our show. Um, Hey, can you do this? And there's a lot of favors as well, which sometimes I'm happy to do if it's like a close friend or someone who's been you know, helpful to me in the past. Yeah. But there's a lot of people who have just always taken advantage of musicians and artists because yeah. we don't always value ourselves or put our worth where it really needs to be. Um, yeah. They want to pay because, you the exposure. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and they they will do that for as yeah. long as you allow them. It definitely should be more than... Exposure. It should still be valued. <laughs> there should still be a value for something so wonderful. And I mean, think about like the first time you saw live music, the first concert you went to, mm. and the emotions you felt and being it, surrounded by people in that audience and how powerful mm. that was, you know? That's and why then people the, pay for it. Exactly. And the, mm. the hours that go into learning how to play a guitar or a piano or write a song or create your merch or, you know, network yeah. with enough people that you can have promotion for your show. It's There's crazy, so much isn't it? that goes into it. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's insane. And and there is a big part that we do it because we love it and we see the value in, it in ourselves and the value that it's and the hopefully the eternal impact that it will have on the world long after we're gone. <laughs> right. Is, you know, to, to put something back into the world that is beautiful and positive and hopefully going to help someone. But at the same time, yeah, it's like we want to be able to do it more but we can't keep doing this if, we, if we're not and given the basic human rights of being able to afford food and living right. costs, you know. Yeah. We, don't need, we don't need much but we do need something. It is important to get money to and, and that's where the business aspect comes in and it's important but it's not everything but it, it right. is it's of like course not. no yeah. but I think I know Australia has something different where I believe like you can actually apply to the government for funding like grants um, 
Yes, like grants and things. See, here we we just don't have access to that. So if if you're a musician in LA, like I know that you also have another job. You know, yeah. It's just, <laughs> yeah. It's just like you're, or a few, you know, a lot of friends that I've seen who've been really successful in terms of, you know, their their songs are on a lot of blogs. They have a ton of Spotify listens, mm-hmm. but they still work, you know, six days a week at least at yeah. a restaurant or somewhere like that so that they can support themselves while pursuing. Yeah. And, and a lot of people like that in Australia have a full-time job. Um, mm-hmm. I worked for eight years in a corporate job and essentially this was my retirement gig. I had a full mental breakdown <laughs> and just retired oh. from like, <laughs> wow. but I also have three children and I just, you know, whole nother story. But it was just like, I can't not do what I love anymore. But it is, it's, it's something that everyone has to consider and it can be very hard to try and do this if you don't have some sort of form of income or like like starting any business, you need to have equity or you need to have something that you can start your business with because you're not going to make a profit straight away. And which is, well, that's why I'm a lot. Yes, which is mm. why I think for these, these uh, smaller venues, at least here, it's so important to pay the artist, even if it's just gas money, you know, yeah. just a little bit because what we're seeing is more musicians spending money to play, you know, there's all this under the table, pay to be in a festival, pay mm. to play this big venue by covering the cost of tickets and then you have to go sell them. That this used to be a big thing. thing here like 20 years ago and there was a big uproar and then it was like almost a band that, you know, you, you may mm-hmm. not get paid to play all the time depending on where you are in your, in your career, but there was a definite no-no to pay to play. You yeah. know that you, but mm-hmm. um, since COVID, it started to creep back in, and it's it's pretty yeah. disgusting if you ask me. Yeah, I think that I understand the venues. You know, of course, they're struggling right now. Mm. Um, and but then it's like, well, and so are all these artists that can play at the venues, and mm. it's so hard. Uh, but I think if people kind of come together and say, "Hey, let's do," you know, a fundraiser for this venue, and they'll they'll also pay the bands a small percentage of that. Yeah. you know, something that works it's, for everyone. Yeah, and I think that that's a beautiful attitude to have is that actually we're in this together, let's work together and let's be fair, you know. Yeah. Let's all collaborate and try and make this successful and all, you know, take the risk but also take the benefits if it does work out. Yeah, oh, definitely. Mm. And, and I did like remember uh, when, I was, when I was in Australia in January 2020, I did a little like a, a pub tour. In Melbourne. Yeah. And I remember that every single place I played, even if it was just a very, like a Sunday afternoon at a pub, they always paid everyone who's performing. And I thought that was a very, I was just like, whoa, do I need to move here? (laughs) (laughs) I feel so valued. And, you know, I'm just playing covers half the time. Yeah. Uh, Because when you're new to a city, it's like, okay, I'm going to play a lot of covers in this set (laughs) Uh, to get people interested. But I just thought that was, that was really wonderful. Yeah, that is cool. And some venues do it really well. And Melbourne does do music industry really well. Um, And I think there's a lot of awareness and appreciation in Melbourne, which is beautiful to see um, that you were treated that way. So I'm so glad that you had that experience. Uh, So we talked about best and worst experience, which kind of went in together, advice. Um, (laughs) if, If you could go back, say, eight years ago when you first started out and you could give yourself one piece of advice, what would you say to yourself? Oh, I think I would just say, enjoy it. 
mm. because there's been so many moments of uh, just being for, and this is for me personally. Maybe I think anyone who goes into the the entertainment world, you're going to have a lot of fun and you're going to have a lot of hard times as well. Mm. And just enjoying the journey as it is, you know, just with life in general. I know you hear that so so often that it's almost mm. cliche, but to really enjoy and remind yourself that you get to show up and make art every day. Uh, even with, you know, the side jobs and hustles and the ups and downs of being in a competitive market, just enjoy that you're allowing yourself this, this opportunity to kind of follow your passion and, you know, chase your dreams as it is. I love that. It's so true. It's like, Life is going to be what it's going to be. Why worry about it? Just enjoy it for what it is. Mm-hmm. And that means sort of having a lot of compassion for oneself when you're going on the downward spiral as well. <laughs> yeah, that's not easy. No. <laughs> for me, that's not it's easy. Not, yeah. It's not easy for me either, but sometimes I think I'm getting better at it. And I think you do get better at it. Um, yeah. Maybe it comes with like age and experience and like just a lot of really bad down spirals. It's like you've got to learn how to be aware of them and also just be compassionate towards yourself that, all right, I'm having a bit of a downer, but I'm going to keep going. And, you know, um, it's not always going to be like this. And that can be hard to realize in the moments. Um, but it's good to be reminded to just enjoy it because, you know, if you go down, you're going to come back up. Right. Because it is a roller coaster. (laughs) (laughs) All right. If you could, co-write with anyone in the world dead or alive who would it be and why oh uh john prine it's one of my favorite songwriters um john prine writes a lot of funny funny good stuff and my dad would would play his songs when we were kids and he still does uh but he'll just pick up his guitar and play some old john prine songs and Mm. that writer passed away this year unfortunately due to covid um Mm. but just such a classic Nashville writer who is just so honest. Like they talk about current pop writers like Julia Michaels and J.P. Sachs and all these people who are writing very casual, honest lyrics that are just uh, really surprising people because pop has taken so many turns, but it's never just very, I don't know if nonchalant is the right word or candid, Mm. but um. But I would say that John Prine was the first songwriter that I listened to and just I felt like I was listening to someone talking to me. And I think when you feel that way, when you hear a song, it it just it feels like you're sitting next to someone and they're just telling you a story and you're going along with it. Yeah. Um, That's my favorite type of songwriting. Oh, cool. That's mine too. And I like that. When someone says that to me, like when they've listened to a song and they've just they've cried or they've felt it or whatever it is, like that's the ultimate compliment. And unfortunately mm-hmm. up until this point, most most reactions to my songs is tears. But, um, oh. <laughs> but that's remember, beautiful yeah. though. It is and beautiful. Yeah. yeah. I was sitting next to a girl on an aeroplane and I, I had a song. It was like my second single I ever released and I had it coming out soon and I was like, I was really excited and we got on really well. And so I was like, oh, do you want to hear it? And I gave her my headphones and I'm watching her. I can't hear the song, but I know where she's at. And she starts bawling her eyes out and she's a complete stranger to me. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. But it was like, and I'm like, I'm so sorry that you're crying, but that's like the biggest compliment as well (laughs) for me. Oh, my gosh. It's such a compliment. Oh, Um, yeah. 
It's yeah. so powerful just to be able to communicate something that way, to show someone a piece of your art and have them react, you know, with the emotions that you probably felt writing it. Yeah. Yeah, it's insane, the power of music and, and how great it can feel and how good it can make you feel when you're driving down the highway on a road trip. Like it's, mm-hmm. it, it goes both ways and we all want music for that, so that's really cool. So what have you got happening this year? What are your plans? Have you got anything new coming out or shows? So I released a single, a really fun, upbeat, kind of like pop rock almost single mm-hmm. called Ooh La La mm-hmm. and... It was a lot of fun to make, even during filming the music video during lockdown was stressful, but yeah, still grateful that there was a way to do it. Yep. And that was a lot of fun to release uh, in early June. And then I have a song coming out this Friday, but I'm not sure when this will be up. So I'll just say it'll <laughs> the date. It's, out. it's out and about. It's a cover of Watermelon Sugar by Harry Styles. It's just so fun and I think it has a little bit of like silliness to it Yeah, that isn't in all the pop songs right now. Yes, I really enjoyed it. I I made it more of like a acapella building. It's it's much slower, slowed down with acoustic guitar and took a different, you know, a different take as you do with covers. I've pretty much asked you all the questions I have to ask. Is there anything else you would like to say before we finish up? The podcast is yours. Oh, okay. Well, I really love being able to connect with songwriters all over the world. So I'm very happy to be here. And I really appreciate Mm. uh, you just taking the time to chat with me about this crazy world (laughs) that we live in. (laughs) And I listen to your music and it's beautiful. And I think it's really cool that uh, you're building community in your own way here uh, Mm. with artists all over the world. And I think it's so important just to have these conversations with each other. I find that mm. we're often talking to, you know, our audience or those closest yeah. to us who might not be doing the same same thing. Mm. So it is hard yeah. to find that common ground with other songwriters in your local area because we are spread out across the world. We are a very mm-hmm. minority group <laughs> of um, artists and, and our art is invisible. You know, it's not something that people can see and um, often even if they do see it, they don't see us. You know, it is a very isolating world. So I'm really glad to have your part of it. And I really do miss just being in the same room with live music or doing co-writes and like retreats and, and all that mm-hmm. sort of stuff. I really miss just being around other people. And I think that's kind of where this came from. Plus my husband was getting sick of me talking all the time. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <laughs> Maybe, that's great. 
Yeah. So I really appreciate you spending the time and, and coming on and sharing with me your journey. And I'm just excited to support you and share what you're doing and just continue to follow. And, and um, hopefully we'll get to meet up sometime if we ever get to California. Oh, yes. Um, that'd be amazing. We'll have to do coffee or something. Oh, yes. I can show you the best coffee spots. Perfect. Because that's yes. really important to me. Yes. Once I, once I went to Australia, I was like, oh, oh, our coffee is not very good. So I've found a few spots that I think will do. Yeah, I have been to San Francisco when I first had my baby. My my husband had a, a work conference with his company because he's works in, worked in mm-hmm. IT. And we were in San Francisco. I had my baby and I'm walking around while he's at the conference. I'm walking around San Francisco and it took me a good few days to find what I guess is everywhere in Australia. I didn't know how lucky and spoiled we yeah. are for coffee choices. Uh-huh. But uh-huh. You have you have regular coffee and fancy coffee. Now, your fancy coffee is just our regular coffee. <laughs> yeah. Um, we don't yeah. do the other stuff. <laughs> I know. So, you don't mess around with no. that stuff. No, no way. It took me a while to learn that. It was a bit of a cultural shock. But, um, yeah, so I'll definitely be like, okay, I don't want to spend three days trying to find good no, coffee. No, no, no. I will, I will show you the way. Don't worry. Thank you, Don't Lisa. worry. Yeah. All right. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. Thanks for joining our songwriter Trist today. To join the family and keep up to date with future podcasts, you can follow us on Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram and Twitter. Please leave a review and subscribe. To support the podcast or contact me or our guest, please go to the website songwritertrists.com. And it's not my feeling I don't know if I